Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. Are you having trouble losing weight? Do you get extreme food cravings, especially at night? What about the inability to lose weight even when you cut calories and do a lot of exercise? I know I fell into this category for pretty much most of my life. It's actually probably not even your fault. You most likely have what's called leptin resistance. Leptin is actually a hormone made by the fat cells that regulates food intake and energy expenditure by communicating with the brain. The more fat you have, the more negative leptin messages are actually being sent to your brain. This creates what's called leptin resistance and is going to sabotage all dieting efforts and causes food cravings even when you have enough fat stored. Introducing Zenith, this is an all-new, completely natural formula that gently decreases leptin levels to restore accurate communication between fat cells in the brain. Zenith contains zero harmful stimulants. It's made of all-natural polysaccharides and acetylated fatty acids, very safe for long-term weight loss plans, and it is made in the USA. In an eight-week, university-conducted, double-blind, placebo-controlled study, participants lost 21.3 pounds of fat, lost almost four inches off their waistline, and reduced serum leptin levels by 43%. So if you or someone you know, someone you really love is struggling with weight loss, head down to the show notes. I'll have a link there and a few videos where you can learn more information about Zenith. So listen, I've been experimenting with different types of minerals, especially magnesium, for the past five to six years. But I could never really find a product that I could feel the benefits that magnesium claimed to give. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals for all of human health. It participates in over 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, yet over 80% of the population is deficient. Magnesium deficiency can increase risk for all disease and greatly decrease optimal performance. That's why I like Bioptimizers. They use all seven forms of magnesium in a highly bioavailable form in their product Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium helps with stress, anxiety, sleep, immune function, detoxification, and so much more. If you want to try out this product, head over to Bioptimizers and use code INTEGRATIVETHOUGHTS10 to receive a 10% discount on their amazing product Mag Breakthrough. Today's guest is Dr. Jeremy Stitch. He is a reformed ER physician, and he began his healthcare journey in emergency medicine before he had a few personal health-related experiences that led him to seek a little bit more of a holistic path. He's really intricately related with the people over at Wild Health. You may have heard them pop up on some pretty big podcasts over time. I know that I have. I actually almost took their health coaching course over there at Wild Health. So if you've never checked that out, doing some absolutely amazing things over there with Precision Genetics. And now he's kind of backed away from that and he's the creator of the Bioenergetic Institute and has this new technology which they call Immortal. Now, Immortal is a blend of pulsed electric fields, pulsed electromagnetic fields, PEMF, which I am a giant fan of, red light photobiomodulation, molecular hydrogen, and some vibroacoustic 
therapy mixed in with a little bit of sound therapy. There is a shamanic style music that's playing while you're on the bed, getting the frequencies, breathing the hydrogen, and it's just absolutely amazing. I think that they stole the entire show at the biohacking conference. The entire weekend was booked up like the minute that the conference opened. It was absolutely insane. Jeremy's amazing wealth of knowledge. He loves to talk about energy and quantum energy and how we can use these frequencies and different devices to biohack and upgrade our health. Enjoy. Jeremy, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great, man. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. I've been kind of excited to try out the technology, as I was telling you, ever since I heard the Ben Greenfield episode. And then I happened to walk into the biohacking conference, and there's just this beautiful bed. And I'm like staring from across, like walking up, and I'm like, what the, what the hell is that? And then I get closer, and I'm like, ah, it's the, it's the immortal. I've heard, I've heard a show about this. And so it was really awesome to check you guys out. You guys, I mean, from the looks of me, I don't know what you guys felt. Um, I would say it was probably the most popular. I don't know if that was just like the the awe effect of how cool the bed looks, but I would say you guys were probably the most popular device at the entire biohacking conference, would you say? I, you know, we heard that feedback, so I appreciate that. I think there's a lot of <clears> cool <throat> stuff out there. It's hard to say what's the best, you know? Yeah, I wasn't saying best. I just think it was seemed to be the most like booked out really quick. It, it seemed to be the most popular. It might have been hard for you guys to really even grasp because you were kind of like outside of like the tech room. So you were kind of in your own little bubble over there. But um, as I as from what I gathered, I would say the Flopresso was really, really popular, it was kind of hard to get on. And I actually know Freddie Kimmel really well myself. So it was like, it was, but he was just super packed. And then the, uh, and then your guys' device, that was like the two main ones that I seemed like every time I made my way over there, it was just like everyone was around it trying to get on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, we, we had a great spot and a great place. So it was a really cool show. Lots of cool stuff there. Yeah. So uh, why don't you actually get started up before we get into the device and all the healing technologies you're using with over at Immortal? Kind of give us a little background and what got you, um, uh, more interested in kind of like this energetic medicine. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a really interesting kind of topsy-turvy story. So I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, <laughs> so my background is allopathic medicine. Um, I didn't know this when I went to med school, but allopathic means essentially symptom treatment. So my background is really a training, extensive training in how to treat diseases with, you know, medications and surgeries. And I think all through that training, you sort of have this idea that there's more out there, but we don't quite understand it. Right. And that was definitely the case for me, but you get really deeply ingrained in that type of work, right? There's a whole billing and coding system. There's a whole insurance system that is really designed really to make a diagnosis, apply the appropriate treatment, and then do follow-up. That, that's the way modern allopathic medicine works. Well, you know, we get into it. I'm ER trained, board certified, all that fun stuff. Had a really nice private practice group, and we get into it. And I'm like three years into private practice, and, um, you know, I'm looking around, and I, I, I see people just, I mean, pardon my colloquialism here, but just circling the drain. They were really, really sick. You would get them to a point that you could sort of help them get out of that spiral. 
they would step up one rung on the ladder and then just kind of spiral down again. They were just stuck. And it became really obvious that what we were doing wasn't working. So at that time, a buddy looks over at me and he says, hey man, there's, there's different ways of doing this. I've, I've been studying this thing called direct care, basically getting out of the insurance model and into the private sector uh, where we really can personalize treatments. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So we flew out, we saw some people who were, you know, early into that, created our own um, practices. And what we built then was a, a faster boat. It was more efficient. It was more personalized. So, so Matthew, let, let's say hypothetically, you know, you come in, you see me and you're like, Jeremy, my goal is I want to live to be 150. Then we can come up with this really personalized plan for you. But we were still really reactive in nature. You know, we're still looking at chemistry. We're still looking at, um, you know, trends and kind of common screening modalities. Well, those are not going to help you live to 150. It's based <laughs> on you know the average American, and the average American is unfortunately not super healthy. So um, the next iteration to that was let's bring in genetics because what else is there but genetics, which helps us be more predictive. So we put that into a bigger company called Wild Health. I co-founded that, and we started looking at people's genetics plus their lifestyle plus um, all of their biomarkers. We would smash that together. We would create these really like very, very personalized platforms and uh, recommendations and programs for their specific goals. That was cool. Um, yeah, it's funny you say Wild Health. I actually, I was in contact with some people over there. I almost did uh, the fellowship actually. And then really? not being like an actual physician or whatever, they couldn't really guarantee that I was going to get access to the AI because the FDA was kind of cracking down and they didn't know like if I did the fellowship, if I would have access to that artificial intelligence you were using. So I kind of ended up backing out because I didn't want to um, learn the whole program that's kind of designed around the AI, but then not have access to it. So maybe if I was, if I was like in a physician or something who I would have had access, I actually would have done that fellowship. I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. The idea is, is really fascinating. Um, it's funny. You and I would have definitely met in in that world, but uh, here we are now. The universe has a funny way of working. <laughs> well, yeah, so for sure, we we took that, and to make a long story short, um, what we learned is that there is a whole software system that really dictates how the hardware in the body works. And in your case, like let's use that example. If we have your DNA, we have your lifestyle, we have your biomarkers. You smash them together, you can create some predictive modeling. That modeling, though, kind of falls short when it comes to epigenetics. So epigenetics, as you already know, is the study of what drives genetics, what programs genetics, what literally turns it on and off. Okay, so um, for review, for those of us who, who don't do this every day, a gene is a long sequence of code. If you splice it here, it does one thing. If you splice it here, it does something else. If you splice it here, it does yet a different thing. It makes different building blocks. And what turns it on is acetylation. What turns it off is methylation. So you, you have these on and off switches. And now the, the real key though, those are the chemical markers. That's the on and the off switch, literally. 
But what really drives that is the epigenetics. And the epigenetics is um, the decisions, the lifestyle we make, the people that we're around, the stuff that goes into our body that turns and activates those genes. And that was the light bulb moment for me. Like I, I was reading this study about meditation and mindfulness and that it epigenetically activated like 500 genes. And that's when I realized, oh my goodness, like it's not the hardware. The hardware is just hardware, right? There is something else that is controlling that hardware. And that is really the software, the human operating system, that's more of an energetic system really than it is a hardware system. And then I coupled that, I had a couple like really interesting personal and family experiences, health crises, if you will, where it stretched my mind a little bit. Um, for instance, I have a daughter, she's got spina bifida. Um, I saw a practitioner who's an MD, does nothing but acupuncture, and he basically made this connection that bypassed her defect. So this is the defect in her spine. And he used the meridian channels and electricity to bypass that and activate these nerves in her feet that didn't fire. And those are like head scratcher moments where you can't look back, right? You, you have to like put these puzzle pieces together of, okay, I'm on this trail. I'm looking for truth. I'm looking for healing, looking for health. And here I see genetics doesn't tell the whole story. The epigenetics is what drives the software. And there's this energetic system in the body that I have not accounted for in my training. And it did something that, again, I could not account for in the training, which was create this bypass. So those three events sort of come to a head at the same time and open my mind up to this concept of bioenergetics or biophysics actually driving the biochemistry, not the other way around. And that's how I- Yeah, can up. I actually um, interrupt here? So I'm trying to get, gather a picture. So when you go and take your daughter in to see this acupuncturist who uses the electricity at this point, or are you, or have you already established wild health? Or are you using the precision medicine and the genetics and everything already on here? And that's kind of not getting you where you want. So you start seeking out alternative methods and then that kind of, or was this before the wild health stuff? No, no, it was, it's after and during. And I, I start to think of these as complementary. like, I don't view them as one or the other. So you know, we have a body, that's the hardware. We have an energetic system, that's the software. And they, they interplay right in the middle. And that's sort of the sweet spot of where you, you merge the Eastern and Ayurvedic types of principles to the allopathic principles. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I'm kind of with you where um, I've had my genetics read and I pay attention to like my hemochromatosis gene and I but I'm also much a bigger fan of um, of epigenetics. And it's I have this interesting theory where I think a lot of people in the health community, they kind of believe that like if you just eat a paleo diet in the modern world and cut out grains and cut out, you know, pasteurized dairy and all these things, then you, you'll naturally kind of turn off all these bad genes. And I think it goes deeper. And this is kind of what you're getting at with your technology, where there's a lot more going on. We're, we're disconnected from nature. You know, we don't have the right relationships. We don't have any mindfulness practices. We have tons, even if you have some of those practices, like, you know, as someone like me, I had Lyme, I had mercury poisoning. So you have these type of things that are also 
even if you're doing everything correctly, they're still going to turn your bad genes on because you have the heavy metal poisoning. I had mold at a point, you know, so I had a lot of things that I had to detox as well, which were all affecting how my genetics were at play as well. So there's a lot of people who read, you know, what's it like deep nutrition or books like that, which are really great. And I just think that the epigenetics goes a lot deeper than just kind of modifying your diet and cutting out seed oils. I think it's a lot deeper than that in the modern world. Oh, without question. Yeah. I mean, the, this, the mind expansion for me <clears throat> essentially taught me, uh, first of all, the concept of the body is a battery. I, I think we all kind of know that it runs on, it runs on different forms of energy. So the transformation was like in my training, I was taught that the body runs on essentially food and movement. So if we just got those two things right, then you could expect really good outcomes what I was observing in practice was not that, right? It was, as you alluded to, there's a lot more to it than simple, like have the right ingredients and then move and exercise. So you zoom out and I started studying a ton of physics and just trying to wrap my head around, okay, principles and quantum physics, why don't we apply this? And I realized that if I backed, if I zoomed out, the body runs on more than just that. So instead of just being food and movement, we have to add other components to it. So there's light, we'll call it vibration or sound. That's another component. And then there's electricity. And then there's this whole sympathetic parasympathetic system that the body uses to kind of restore or activate. Um, so all these components come into play. And I started thinking of the body battery in terms of, okay, let's get all the right ingredients. And that is what inspired some of the technology we put into the chamber. In fact, is, um, it wasn't just me, it was like the whole team having similar experiences, having, having similar revelations and saying, okay, how do we put this together in a stack that's super efficient, that mimics nature? Cause you know, the, the stats now are between 90 to 93% of the developed world spends that much time indoors. So 92 to 93% of our time is spent indoors, which means we're not getting the light exposure, the sound exposure, the frequencies of nature, the grounding, which is the slow trickle of electrons back and forth. Um, we're not plugging in. Yeah, I totally agree. I love my, I have my um, Therasage, like full spectrum infrared and red light and I live in Florida, so it's easy for me to kind of get out most days, you know, and at least get 15, 20 minutes and do some grounding. But, you know, if I can't, like, you know, I'm on my grounding mat right now. I just got out of my sauna a little bit ago. And people don't realize the connection that light has. Like, we would have just naturally been outside so much, even if it was cold. Even if you lived in a colder climate, you would have just been living more outdoors. You'd have been farming or doing something where... And them light signals and the way your cells communicate with them photons, it's just such a big part of your energy system that's lacking, in my opinion. And the way we can use some of these technologies to kind of concentrate the wavelengths that we need and the photons that we need and just bring that in in a really condensed 20, 30 minute session with these technologies is just a night and day difference. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny, too, like in the genetics world, you know, the holy grail is like, can you change genes and can you alter people's genes, right? The really big irony is like a lot of those CRISPR technologies are using light and sound to cut the DNA. Ah. So 
like interesting i didn't know there. that they're all around us but we're we're so kind of fixated on this okay it's a biochemical model and if we just change the code we'll change the outcomes yet we can very easily miss the clues in nature so you know i became aware started studying the research you know partnered with a few other folks um started getting into the concept of the biophoton that you've just alluded to which is i think that's alfred fritz pop popp's work back in the 70s when he started realizing that the body actually the cells any living cell emits a small amount of coherent light and that means that that's a component of the battery right we have to then account for it so the model of just you know movement and food no longer applies we have to at least consider light and you start adding in those discoveries that kind of popped up in the in the heyday of quantum physics and then the subsequent years and you realize we have to think about those you have to address electrons you have to address photons phonons phonons are basically the the sound equivalent of those other things and they all interact with the body if we could see the full range of energy of the electromagnetic spectrum then what we would see is there's like this massive discharge around us that is our electromagnetic and other energetic system that's working yes and you've brought up the term quantum physics a couple times and i've had ian mitchell on the show and i've had philip from lila q on have you found a, a good way to explain quantum physics to the average person because it's it's still kind of even hard for me who's done a decent amount of research on it to kind of explain it to somebody but like when i use the products that like ian and philip have created the lila stuff and the quantum upgrade like i feel it and i feel better so i'm like i know it's doing something and they said philip will say it works at a subatomical level have have you found a way to actually explain it in like a layman's terms to, to just like the average person? Because I, I can't seem to figure out how to even really wrap my head around it to explain it to people. Yeah, uh, my, my partner gave me a, a book last night. It was uh, it was like Quantum Singularity for Babies or something. And it was like a baby book explaining quantum physics. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, um, we need like a quantum physics for dummies. <laughs> so, so we should kind of back up. It's like Ian, I love hanging out with Ian because like you just the ideas just go back and forth and back and forth. He's amazing, one of the smartest guys. Yeah, one of the smartest guys you'll ever meet. Um, but we do have to back up. Like the the key here is going to be the translation of complex principles into English. Uh, you know, a really good, for instance, there were a lot of really smart physicists before Einstein who came up with general theories the the difference between einstein and some of the other mathematical and quant and physics theorists were that einstein had a better explanation so he had more global adoption right he was able to explain e equals mc squared mathematically and conceptually in a way that it was welcomed and adopted um, by the scientific community so that's that's where we stand today and we're kind of at this threshold right where we have to be able to explain to the common person that their body is a battery and that battery, it uses a lot of different types of energies. The quantum physics comes into play and I'll give you my explanation for it. A quanta, a quantum refers to a subunit. Okay. It's energy and information. So the simple way to think about this, these are building blocks, okay? There's thousands and thousands, 
probably not thousands. There's at least at least a few dozen subatomic particles. The names are not that important. The concept, though, is way more important. Okay. So, out of what we call the quantum field or the zero point field, it's called different names. It's essentially the same thing. There are little tiny subatomic particles that pop in and out of existence. They're forming and dissolving really, really quickly. So these are the, the quanta. As soon as it pops out, as soon as it cr is created from this field of energy, and that's called, Einstein called it the field. A lot of people call it different things. We're just going to call it the quantum of the zero point field. Okay. So out of that, which is an almost infinite source of energy, there are little subatomic particles. The analogy I'll give you here is like Lego. So these little guys by themselves are not super stable. You drop them and they fall back into the pit of Legos. And then it just looks like a, a mosh pit, right? Of, of little Legos. It's not until you start putting them together and piecing them into something that gets easily recognized. So let's say our goal is to build a car and we start with these little tiny pieces and then we start stacking them on top of each other. Well, it doesn't look like a car when it's two pieces. It doesn't quite look like a car when it's, you know, four or six pieces. But then we add an axle and you're like, oh, there's something there. So those subatomic particles, they're small, they're unstable, and they disappear really quickly. So we can't see them. And up until now, there's not been great ways to measure them. But modern technology, we can measure them so we know that they're actually there. All right, so those are quanta. When it comes to quantum physics, those are like the energy building blocks. E equals mc squared means energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. So we know that all things, all matter is created from energy. So these quanta start stacking on top of each other. As each one gains more mass, they start to become more stable. And they start to become recognizable to things that we recognize as like neutrons or protons. That's like the axle, right? We recognize it. We're like, oh, I see what's about to be built here. I see we're going to build some sort of vehicle. I can't tell if it's a Ferrari or a truck yet, but I think it's going to be a vehicle. And we recognize those, right? And then they start sticking together to make bigger and bigger things that are more and more complex in nature. And that is how physics drives chemistry. Um, I studied physical chemistry when I was an undergrad and everybody told me this is going to be the hardest course you ever take. It's nobody understands it. There's like probably 20 people in the world and I didn't understand it. I memorized the stuff and I got through, but it wasn't until like 20 years later, I came back to it and realized, okay, the reason I didn't understand it was because I was approaching it from a chemistry background. I wasn't approaching it from the physics. It took like 20 years of just iterating and thinking to realize that the reason that that is happening is because chemistry is driven by these kind of quantum principles. In fact, all of life is. So the, the quick summary there is quantum physics essentially says that there are smaller building blocks that erupt from this big field of energy and those things come together to get more and more and more stable and they start to get more and more recognizable. First, you've got subatomic particles, then you've got atoms, then you've got molecules, then you've got things like elements, and then in the human health and wellness sector, then you get to like proteins, fats, carbohydrates, and then 
And then you get into structures like tissues, organs, and then the body. So it just builds on itself. Yeah, so it sounds like they're the tiniest, smallest particles that we're able to kind of manipulate in a way with some of these new technologies. And if I if I understand it correctly from my prior episodes that I've done around quantum um, energy is we lose some of this, right, with, you know, the electromagnetic frequencies, with modern living, the toxins I spoke about earlier as we start to um, be embedded with different frequencies from the newer technology, we can kind of lose the energy within some of those um, subatomic particles. Am I correct? And then it kind of, that's where things can go haywire because that's kind of our smallest building blocks. And then if we can kind of restore some of that energy through, you know, EMF blocking, you know, some of these technologies, we can kind of start at that smaller level and then build up and then everything kind of gets better as we work on those. Is, am I, am I way off or is that kind of correct? You're definitely in the wheelhouse for sure. Um, it does get a bit more complex, <laughs> you know, your body, it acts as either a capacitor, which is essentially a battery that allows for spillage, uh, spillage of extra energy or a resistor. So some of the, I would call those like loosely negative um, principles and negative influences, they tend to, to create more resistance in the system. And then the more coherent frequencies and energies tend to create more capacitance. So what, what the ideal state of health, and I fully believe that, you know, in, in an ideal scenario, there's about nothing else that's as indestructible as the body, but you have to like negate some of the negative influences and really promote the positive influences. So um, that's where like, when we talk about EMFs and bad EMFs and electromagnetic smog, that tends to create more resistance. And that's a principle called yeah. coherence. It, you know, it's a little bit different, but the whole concept is, is still comes back to this very, very simple idea that the body works as a battery. It runs on multiple sources of energy. We use lots of different sources um, and we have to kind of capitalize on that. The coherent ones, the ones that tend to be more efficient, tend to be the things that we evolved around. Not surprising. Thousands and thousands of years of evolution in the natural world. Well, if you actually graph what those energy waves look like, they look like sine waves like this. And that's kind of the same system our body runs on. It's an analog sine wave thing. So you want things that are coherent. You want things that work efficiently. It's the same language. Yeah, cool. Got it. Makes total sense. So let's circle back around here. You take your daughter in. You get the acupuncture with the electricity, get your wheelhouse turn in. Sounds like you started investigating more energetic. I think I heard you talk about in the Ben Greenfield podcast about studying Tesla and different people like that. How does the journey evolve as you start thinking about that, start studying energetics and quantum physics and then evolve into a mortal? Yeah, totally. Totally. So it's a fun, fun little history there um, of mind stretching and thinking outside the box. Um, I believe really strongly in goal setting. And one of my goals was to create basically systems, technologies that enable people to heal themselves. In other words, to work myself out of a job. And, you know, when you create that goal, then the pathway becomes more clear. So you're studying, I'm studying all these things. And I realized that 
I wasn't really in my own practice giving enough of the healing credit to the individual and their body. In fact, almost in every circumstance, the, the person that I was treating healed themselves. They did it through different tools that they were given. And that was another light bulb moment where you're like, okay, cool. So if I can remove myself from the picture, if you can put some of this stuff in technologies and enable people to start to recharge their own batteries. And then the other simple ingredient there is just simple awareness of how their body works and the ingredients that they need to heal. Then you can create this, at least the possibility that they start developing health sovereignty, taking care of themselves and taking their health back into their own hands. And ultimately that's, I think what most of us want. Like most of us don't want to have to come to a doctor and we definitely don't want to be told we have to be on medications for the rest of our lives and get alone, you know, surgeries and all this stuff. Like if the body can repair itself, let's create the scenario to do that. Yeah, got it. And so before we walk through a lot of the technologies, because they're very unique and interesting, have you seen like some difficult and hard to treat cases, maybe say your daughters or other people's that have gotten like some, you know, alleviation of symptoms or really, I won't say use the word cure, but have you seen some really some progress and some difficult patients that really couldn't, you couldn't move the needle with the precision, uh, precision medicine and stuff like that? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it developed. You know, we started this thing called the, the Bioenergetic Institute. We ended up merging that. Now it's an Energy for Life Center in Park City. We partnered with uh, Harry Massey on it. But the, the whole concept of that, that became like essentially an R&D for, you know, wh what do we put into these technologies and how do we develop them? And, um, you know, now it's run by, uh, by a good friend of mine, Dr. Greg Eckel, and he does nothing but that. Um, sees these really difficult cases. I do it on occasion, like one-offs and stuff, where folks have exhausted the precision world or the integrative or functional world. And that makes sense because like, you get pretty far if you just address the first two components of that body battery, right? Movement and diet. But if the energy system starts to lack or if the informational system, basically how it runs and how the system talks to itself is messed up or is not translating messages well, then you will only get to, let's just say hypothetically, it's going to be 75 or 80% until you reach this plateau. And I would see that a lot. I would see it with really motivated people it tend to be really motivated folks who had either themselves or a family member with really debilitating disease and they either didn't want to go down that pathway or were going down that pathway and wanted to, to switch it, right? And that's where we open yeah. up the door and we say, there's other batteries, let's focus on the other ones. Hello everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. So. 
So in the beginning with the Bioenergetic Institute, were you just using um, these different, like, you know, photobiomodulation, things like separately? And then at some point you decided, like, how do we combine everything into one? How did that manifest? Yeah. So so back to like a mortal, um, there were several people like Brian, um, who's the CEO, he's a great product guy. And he just started combining these things. And he and Steve, who you met, uh, had ideas about what to do. They brought me into the picture and said, hey, how does, how, in your opinion, you're seeing a lot of interesting things. How is this either serving or disserving the body? How would you, sw- how would you change it? And that's how we started plugging in these different components to what does the technology need? Um, if this is our, our premier, you know, our mothership, um, what do we put into it to make it the most so the um, first technology that you guys had me use when I went over to the mortal station was this bulb. And uh, it's, I'll kind of try to paint a picture. It, it's very bizarre. You have to take your shoes off and you put your feet on a foot pad. And then you're holding this giant crystal looking like bulb. Looks like it's out of a, a sci-fi or like Lord of the Rings type of like movie or really some like futuristic style movie that you would like. And then there's like, it looks like potentially kind of looks like, I don't know if there's any uh, correlation to maybe like the biocharger, like the gases that are in there or something. I don't know if it's completely different or not, but that's kind of what I was thinking when I was holding it. Mm-hmm. And you're just told to like kind of put some music on and meditate and, For me, my energy shifted instantly as I held the bulb. And, you know, I've used a lot of different technologies and devices. And I was, I mean, it dropped me into a meditative state really, really quickly. So why don't we explain kind of, I guess, for starters, why why are we using the foot pad? What's the foot pad got to do with the bulb? Yeah. So that device is called the Catalyst. It's essentially a prototype. It is an analog PEMF device. And it is designed to basically deliver electrostatic charges over a wide range of frequencies. Um, so I like, it's not the biocharger. A biocharger is an absolute awesome product. Um, it's a similar concept because you're using plasma to deliver an electrostatic charge. I think the big differentiator there is this is very similar. Like this, this was originally a Tesla invention around 1900. I think he called it something like the human optimizer machine. And basically it um, was generating this field and the field goes around the human body, not through it. That's a big misconception. Um, And it generates a lot of electricity. So it's like charging your field. So rather than like trying to run a current through you, which you meet resistance, what you do is you actually interact with the field around the body. I'm, I'm oversimplifying it a bit, but that's the general concept. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, I think most people have probably seen like a picture where there's like a field around somebody, right? Like people don't realize that's how you can, you kind of know when someone comes into your awareness or when you're driving. I feel like, you know, people, you kind of got the sixth sense type of thing. That's, that's like your aura or your field. So you, the bulb is actually interacting with that aura that we can't see that field around us, not directly with the body. Yeah, it's generating a giant static field. And then the the key there is it's generating instead of like picking three or four or or 10 frequencies, 
which is a recipe-based way of doing it, it's delivering what we call a multifocal range of frequencies. So you kind of find the range of frequencies that you would encounter in nature, and we mimic that with this resonator device inside it, and then you're delivering it all at once. So the device you're talking about is the prototype. You held it. Um, I think the genius of the chamber is we took the bulb out of the equation. We were able to generate that field using the coils in the bed. So then your hands are free and mm -hmm. you don't have to actually hold on to something. And that's, I mean, I don't want to sneak peek too much, but that's probably the next generation of products to be created is these things that you can just, you know, sit on or use a mat or whatever. Yeah. And so kind of to paint a picture, like if you're on a PEMF mat, like I have at my house or, you know, even one of these pulse centers, generally speaking, there are some programs on mine where the frequencies will change. So, cause I've heard your body can kind of get used to just like one specific frequency, but generally you're picking, you know, Schumann resonance or, you know, there's different like programs on my PMF mat that I can choose for whatever I'm looking for, whether it's circulation or detoxification, but you're basically delivering a wide range of frequencies all at once. So how does the body know which to absorb or is that just a natural thing that it does? How, are, how does your body picking up on the right frequencies that it needs in the moment? That's a really brilliant question. Um, that is a, I would say that is a big differentiator. You know, our, our approach was we believe that the body is very intelligent and we have an, an innate intelligence, right? This is a theory. And that if we give it the right ingredients, the body sort of chooses what it needs. And it does that through coherence and selection. So it absorbs what it needs to based on wherever the, the biggest gradient is. So that's one tech that's addressing the electromagnetic battery. So if we draw out those five different batteries again, there's an electromagnetism. That's how the body works. And let's say in your particular condition, like you'd just done a whole bunch of traveling, you weren't grounding, you weren't doing your normal stuff, there's a lot of stress, right? You might have filled up the other batteries, but this one might be really low. So what happens is your body will quickly start to absorb those in an efficient way that speaks the same language as it. And that is, that's the whole idea behind putting these technologies together instead of blasting somebody with like 100% of photons or 100% laser or 100% electromagnetic charge, we're kind of delivering, you know, a reasonable amount of all of these. If you were to really, really press me on what does the biggest difference, I'd say it's probably this one that we're talking about, because that tends to be one of the biggest areas where the human body is deficient. We're again, go back to that statistic, we're inside 90 to 93% of the time, depending on which study you look at, meaning we're not exchanging electrons with the earth, we're not grounding. To use the analogy of a car battery, if you have an electric battery, that's the slow trickle of energy that you plug into at night, right? So very, very common that when people use that device, if they're deficient in that, it tends to be very, very calming, restorative, and they describe kind of a calm energy that they have afterwards. Yeah, and I can attest to how calm I actually felt after the bulb 
Now, in the podcast, I heard you and talking about this. The next step seemed to be like if I was wouldn't have been at the conference, I would have been at one of your um, studios or wherever you're having your devices at um, biohacking studio or whatever. It sounded like there was some form of like electrical massage that can be kind of used where you can manipulate different nerves or muscle tissues, whatever it may be, by the practitioner standing on the foot pad. And then I'm not sure, maybe I would still be holding the ball, but I'm not sure. But how does that look if someone, you know, wasn't at the conference like I was, but would, would be really in a personalized setting with you? Yeah, totally. So there's like a practitioner version of this where we, we teach people how to do it. Um, again, that's a, that's a beta unit. It's basically a prototype, but um, essentially that you got one person holding the globe, you become a two person field. So like I would reach over, you're holding the globe, reach over, we'll, you typically start on the neck and we'll just kind of work our way down the nerve roots and you get tactile feedback in the form of vibration. So you could think of it as a massage at a molecular level. That's kind of what happens when energy flows is everything vibrates. Um, and that's the sensation that you get. So I'd have my feet on the plate, you would hold the globe and we're connected. And then we're just basically maintaining a connection and moving down the spinal cord. So when you're doing that, does it actually involve physical touch or are you just kind of hovering over the locations that give you the feedback and the longer you sit there, the more the energy concentrates there? I mean, am I, am I on the right path or no? Yeah. 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 I think, um, you know, keep in mind, like these are, primitive iterations on that. So that unit's like sold out and stuff. But I, I think what we're actually able to do is get really specific. So we can add basically the multifocal wave and then through other programming, there are interfaces and software we can actually integrate. And then on top of that, our theory is you can actually get very, very specific and through like a voice analysis program, say, Matthew, that battery charger, that general battery charger is one thing you need, but then you also benefit really well from these specific recipes. So it's a combination of the two. And I think you can actually do that without the practitioner. And that's, again, that's kind of next generation of where we're going. That's where the bed is definitely headed because we've got you know, some of that stuff kind of built in and ready to turn on in V2, V3. So um, I don't know that... I don't know that the long-term solution is going to be practitioner-assisted therapy. It's really cool. It's really neat. I think it's going to have its niche. It's probably going to be more for the professionals. If we, had, if I had to pull out the crystal ball and see where we're headed. Yeah, and I, I guess I should. I'm not sure if I glossed over it a little bit or not. But these are very new products. Like this is stuff is like. I, I can't even find one in Tampa if I wanted to. I mean, I don't even. How many locations even have these things currently? Yeah, I think we're first 10 or 12 are being delivered right now of the big beds and the the actual catalysts are all sold out and scheduled for delivery. So um, they are very, very early. Yeah, so not even you can't even really look these up quite yet. But in the next, you know, probably six months, three months, six months, you might be able to find a catalyst by you. And then the beds are a bit more expensive. So it'll take a nice studio probably to to purchase one of those. But um, yeah, this is kind of an early podcast, but it, it will be something that I believe will be more readily found, at least if you're in like a bigger city that has biohacking studios and things like that. 
Yeah, I, d- I totally predict that cool. the chamber for sure. That's going to be the next one out. So I would look for those if one is looking. Yeah, for sure. And so let's get into the chamber. The chamber was kind of mind blowing all of the different technologies that were put into one and it just looked beautiful. I mean, it was just an eye catcher from the beginning there. I don't know if there was a single person at the, at the conference who could walk by without at least taking a photo or asking what was, what it was, what was going on. So, um, what made you up level to the bed and then let's get into the different technologies that are in the bed. Uh, the bed was the first invention, believe it or not. Um, so it started out as oh. a mat with lights, and we started evolving that idea. Uh, Brian and Steve went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, I came into it when it was – it started to form into a chain. We call it a chamber, but it's effectively like a big bed that you lay in. And that's when we added this analog PEMF. So um, – so the idea behind the chamber is we get down to this idea of coherence. Okay, so coherence is a way of looking at how well particles are entangled. Okay, so let me go back to this analogy for just a second. So I was explaining everything's a building block. It kind of comes from this field of energy and that they get more and more solid and more and more stable, right? But since they come from the same place, there is a connection between all these things. And we call that, Einstein called it spooky action at a distance. It's referred to as entanglement. You can also think of it as coherence, right? So coherence means delivering energy in a way that is native to the recipient, right? If we are an analog system, meaning like you have sine waves up and down, nice smooth waves, the best way to deliver energy is to match that. So if you add two of these things together, you put two sine waves on top of each other, you get a much bigger sine wave, right? If you put them in opposition, right, you cancel each other out. If you start crossing different types of signals, what you realize pretty quickly, just overlap them and, and draw this out, right? They're just, you don't get efficient communication. And that's what happens. That's what we we get into when we design something like the chamber. We provide just enough energy, like let's say 20% light, 20% sound. We can't really affect diet, but we can provide an anti, um, antioxidant in the form of molecular hydrogen, right? So we get a little bit of that. We get a little bit of electromagnetic, basically static that builds up, and then put the body into this really relaxed state. So instead of like blasting it with 100% light, you're using like 20%, 20%, 20%, you know, 30%, 10%, whatever. And the body has a much easier time absorbing the energies that it needs to. You also give it the diversity to take what it needs. And that is why yeah, so we just, that's why we put all this stuff in there. And so it sounds like, I don't know if I'm gathering that correctly. The, when you're saying 20 and 30%, you're meaning like the intensity, like, you know, say someone's standing in front of a juve light, but then on your lights, the intensity is a little bit lower. The frequency intensity is a little bit lower so that your body can kind of absorb it all more naturally. Am I, am I gathering that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the total 
energy is a little bit lower. The frequencies tend to be about the same. Um, the amount of them that gets delivered is a little bit different, but yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. And so, um, let's touch on, I had a whole show from, uh, with the people over or Mark Sherwood over at uh, Holy Hydrogen. And we talked a lot about the selective antioxidant properties. Is there any other reason that you like using molecular hydrogen besides just the antioxidant effect? That was the big reason. Um, I think there's, there's future iterations where you can add different gases in there, but that was the big reason behind it is we, we wanted to address that. And, and somebody's <laughs> 45 minute chamber session. Um, you know, you can't really otherwise address diet and nutrition. That's the choices that they make on their own, but you can certainly give the antioxidants. And then when the body's in this like beautiful recipient state, there are articles where you stack these types of things and then the delivery of the antioxidant becomes more efficient. So, um, that was actually my next question is, like when you're getting these sound therapies, the light hitting you, the frequencies coming in, is the body actually more receptive to that hydrogen? Yeah, without question. It, yeah, it, that, ma that makes total sense. It just is absorbed better. It's more efficient. It has the energy. The cells have the energy to take in the antioxidant. And then the antioxidant is essentially donating an electron to a system that is devoid of electrons. That's the whole idea of oxidation reduction, right? So antioxidants coming in and offering and extra energy, but again, in a way that the body can actually receive it. And so even, ah, so as I'm thinking of that, I'm thinking may, the hydrogen is actually also maybe assisting even the frequencies. It's probably going back and forth, correct? They're both assisting each other. Yeah, I mean, if you reduce everything to its native, form it is energy so yeah i mean that that is what's happening but you have to address it we're multi you know we're not just energy we have matter to us right so you have to address the matter you have to address the energetic system you have to address how those two systems speak to one another mm -hmm. cool and so now we've touched on why light is important and you have the photobiomodulation in there and i think most people who are into biohacking have some type of uh, knowledge around red light and how it's, you know, beneficial for mitochondria and skin and healing. And then you have the hydrogen, you have the coil within the bed that is emitting all of the frequencies the same as the catalyst bulb. So they're getting all the frequencies. And then the one thing I, I like because I've done, you know, psychedelic ceremonies and I'm a combo practitioner and I like mm -hmm. different like shamanic style sounds was this kind of like vibration shamanic journey going on that also kind of it was cool i didn't expect it to like walk me through the breathing exercises and things like that so why don't you explain the whole like vibro acoustic kind of component to it yeah i won't get too deep into the physics of it but there's there's some really really cool physics um, that play on this this concept of imprinting and basically what puts the body into that coherent state. Um, so there's really cool science. I think the fun part though, is it's blended with that ancestral knowledge, right? If you were to take a survey of indigenous cultures all around the world, say they're all independent of one another way before telecommunication, they all have some commonalities in their ceremonies, right? So those commonalities tend to be some form of um, 
as some sort of binaural beats. They all have some sort of um, altered state or non-ordinary state of consciousness that we're in, whether it's like worshiping in church or whether it's like deep meditation or deep prayer or whatever it might be, psychedelic ceremonies, right? So I love the fact that you can marry those things. And the science is now catching up with what these ancient spiritual practices had been telling people for a long time. So let's talk about the vibroacoustics. The vibroacoustics is really cool. There's, we have to break it into two components, right? So first you're delivering energy. That energy quite literally is a phonon. It's basically a carrier of sound. That sound hits something else and it creates vibration. So you're translating one form of energy into kinetic energy that's absorbed by the body and then used in an efficient way. If you actually take a look at the molecular machinery that runs, let's just say DNA transcription, for instance, so that how a gene gets copied, what you'll find, it just you know, YouTube it, you're going to see all this vibration happening and these little tiny protein machines zipping along a train of DNA. And they're taking that energy of different sources and they're turning it into kinetic energy to run the little molecular machine and then that does functions in the body right so that you one component right is the sound that's delivering the phonon and turning that energy into kinetic energy in the body does that make sense mm -hmm. then the other component of that is putting the body in a state of mind where it can start to repair itself and that's another pretty simple principle, right? You've got sympathetic, commonly associated with the fight and flight. So it's get up, it's do something. You've got a parasympathetic state, which is commonly called rest and digest. I tend to think of it as restore, okay? So we're either fighting and flighting, we're doing something, we're active, which means we're at that level, we're using energy. So that puts us in a state of oxidative stress you always anytime you use energy you create byproducts you're using electrons so let's bring it back to the basics in that state of mind a sympathetic state of mind you're using energy and it's taking energy from the body so we have to balance that with the parasympathetic the restorative state which is more of a reduction type of reaction adding energy back into the body or restoring it and this is where mind comes into play. So I told you I had an epiphany moment when I read this article about turning on genes, activating genes with meditation. Right? So that means we have some control over the system. Meaning if we're up here doing something, that's going to take energy. We'll get stuff done, but we have to balance that. And with the um, with all this technology in the chamber, what we wanted to do is guide people into that state of mind. So when you used it, this is probably the first time you've used it. So there is a voice, a guide voice that talks you through some of those ancient practices, like puts you into a state of coherent breathing, allows you to rest, invites you to, you know, set an intention and to release expectations. All those ancient practices 
designed to put people into a state of coherent parasympathetic relaxation. And that primes the body then to receive the different energies that it's basically bathed with or cocooned in. So that vibroacoustics is kind of twofold, puts you in the state of mind with the guided meditation, but then it also delivers the energy in a way that the body can use it. Yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting the way as it guided you through, you started to feel calm. Obviously, the bed revs up. You start to feel the vibrations. You're feeling the frequencies and the molecular hydrogen's in that's shifting you probably into more parasympathetic as well as it's, you know, giving you the electrons and kind of shutting down the, uh, the antioxidant system. And it was just, a, it was a lot to experience all at once. I was like, wow, I wish I was, um, in somewhere that was more secluded. They almost put me on the bed outside actually, cause someone almost didn't show up. And he was like, if you want a more secluded, like longer kind of version of it. But then the, the lady showed up last minute and she had cancer and everything. I was like, yeah, just, just give it to her. She seems like she, she needs a session more than I do, but it's really cool how we can blend. And that's kind of my goal is, I don't know. A lot of people who are in like the spiritual community or like combo practitioners and things like that, they, they're really just into like the, the, just the ancestral kind of like shamanic music and the medicines. And I, I am different. Like I, when I'm doing combo ceremonies, like I have my client on a PEMF mat, I have it on a grounding thing. I might use ozone and supplements with them, depending on if they have autoimmune condition or something like that. I might use binders. So it's like, I'm really kind of in a different way, kind of implementing some of these same things. And I love the sound portion of it because it's one of the things that I believe like when I'm doing a combo ceremony and that kind of ancient tribal music is on, it's something that we've lost. And sometimes you can't even understand what they're saying. It's in like a totally different Spanish or it's whatever, a kind of ancestral, but like during the ceremony, you feel it. Or like when you're in the bed, you feel that music kind of like resonating somewhere like in a cellular, like soul style level. And that was really cool. I thought that you guys added that in there along with the breath portion, because that's obviously if anybody who's not focused on how they breathe and how the breath can shift your state pretty dramatically, you guys should probably uh, hop on that before you try any of the biohacks and really get into your breath work. Oh, totally. I mean, you're speaking my language as you're talking. I'm like, of course, like I, mean, I said, I wasn't going to get into the physics, but I probably will now. Um, <laughs> but before we do, like, I, I just want to state, like, that's a really beautiful thing. The, the way that you described some of your treatments, because the, the state of consciousness of humans is to evolve and to grow. So we're not meant to stay in those ancient practices without absorbing some of the newer science, right? You were meant to blend them and use them together. I mean, if you really get down to it, long before we had like religion and science, we had one thing that was like the study of how the world worked and they were the same, right? So you're, you're incorporating that very thing into your practice. And as you're experiencing that and you're getting into it, you're, you're, basically piling your information and your knowledge base to what applies to that person. And then you apply the right intention, which is a big piece of the puzzle, right? That's the lens that focuses 
how we use energy. And you get into a coherent state of mind, that's a different state of healing altogether. It's well beyond anything I could explain logically with my brain. Um, but I think it's a, a very beautiful thing that you do. Now, the physics come into play in this idea of coherence, right? We are constantly, constantly receiving and sending information out. And a very, very simple analogy that everybody can recognize is, is when you walk into a room and there's somebody who's like deeply upset or deeply angry, the whole mood of the room changes, right? You can read that in the air. Well, the same kind of thing happens when you're around people who are generally happy, uplifting, and positive, right? When we get into the, the treatments and we have these two different biofields interacting, so you're the practitioner in this case, and you've got a client who's maybe doing a combo ceremony and you're using the binders and the charcoal and trying to detox them, plus the right intention, in addition to all of the biochemical signaling, right, there's information traveling back and forth between the two of you that is imprinted on one another. And that's why we feel that. And that's, that's the coherence between two people. Um, I won't go too deep into how that actually works, but there is a very, very deep science when you break down what, it, what is actually energy, it's gradients of concentration plus information. And that, that prevents entropy, which is the breakdown of that information and energy, right? So you're essentially creating organization within helping that person create organization within their own body and helping it communicate with itself. Very cool stuff. Yeah. And I will, I guess I'll touch on this a little bit and, you know, technology aside, there's something very, very powerful with intention setting, but I do like how you brought in like also kind of releasing judgment as well, especially like in a psychedelic ceremony, you really can't really control that as you might try to set your best intention, but it kind of gives you what you need, not what you want. But, um, you know, I've seen with, combo intentions there's something energetically that happens if they speak it out loud i'm looking to work through a relationship or a health issue or i'm kind of stuck in what i want to do next with my business or you know whatever my creative you know projects i'm working on and i see i get text back you know there was a girl um, who came to one of my wife and i's retreats and we do optional combo there and she had been kind of wanting to like move off grid or, you know, get a, get out of the city. And she left our retreat after doing, you know, we do a lot of stuff there. We do breath work. We do ecstatic dance, combo, cacao ceremonies, yoga, a lot of different things. And she, after setting that intention, after the combo, she texted us like a couple of weeks later and was like, I bought this plot of land. Like I'm going to be moving there in the next year or two. So it's like really deep. Like it's a, it's an energy transfer. I feel like when you set an intention, but then also take an action afterwards, whether that be sitting in the immortal bed or it's doing a ceremony of some sort or doing breath work, whatever that may be. But there is something to do. I don't know if there's the physics science behind that, but that intention setting seems to be very powerful, at least from the clients that I work with. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, you know, that I was raised in the Christian practice and the Christian practice says like in the beginning was the word. Well, the word is spoken, you know, it's spoken verbiage and that creates information 
So you're talking about exchange of energy. There is energy that comes out, but there's also information that comes out in that. Different cultures, different religions, different practices will explain that that general concept differently. But you're right. Like there's a translation of mind. We have a thought. Then we speak it, and that creates an exchange of information with the environment. It's like basically telling the universe, this is my intention, this is what I'm going to do. And the universe matches and answers that. It's a very difficult concept when we're used to biochemistry, but that is how it works, right? There's a field that communicates. So um, none of the stuff that you're, you're talking about is foreign to me. I think it's all very, very relevant to kind of what the world needs at this very time to get back into coherence with the earth and with one another as humans. And then you'll co-evolve in a way that's very peaceful and loving. Yeah. I I mean, to give some context, like I didn't grow up any religion. I was mostly atheist until I tried some plant medicine ceremonies, honestly, and never said prayer around food or never knew what like intention setting was. I just did whatever I needed to do basically to get by and, you know, would drink like a normal human being, drink way too much and smoke cannabis and all kinds of crazy shit I used to do. And as I got more into the yoga and the meditation and I seen the trajectory of how it shifted things in my life as I prayed and meditated, did the breath work, tried some ceremonies. And I really feel like it's like a lost art. Then it's, it's really simple, especially just like prayer and intention setting around something. But uh seems to me like most people have lost their way. But I think we are having a kind of awakening that's bringing people back because once you feel it, you realize the energetic shift you have. And then you start to see things kind of move around in your world, in my opinion, like they kind of doors open that normally wouldn't. And, you know, you get you get introduced to different people that you normally wouldn't. It seems as if like once you integrate some of these practices and you get healthier and you change maybe that aura or your field you were talking about earlier, different types of people come into your aura that up level you or help you out in business or connections, whatever it may be. And, uh, for me, it's been a blessing. Yeah. I mean, it's a universal truth. You you can't get away from it. And there's, there's different theories on how it works. I, I tend to think of it as like you put something out there and you're putting information into the universe and the universe is sort of matching you. So if you're down here living in a state of fear, and scarcity or blame that's what you're going to see and that's what you're going to get if you're kind of up here living in uh, you know unconditional love then you're going to attract other people who are in that same state of mind and they do open doors for you but you're also opening doors for them so it's a it's beautiful even exchange again physics just tells us that's how the universe actually operates it's not some great mystery you don't have to go to a mystery school to figure this stuff out it is natural. It's there for us. We just have to tap into it. Yeah, I totally agree. And for, for me, I think where some people could be a little lost too, is I I moved across the country. I was living in Flint, Michigan. Like that's just kind of one of the most poorest, you know, violent ridden cities in the country. Couldn't even drink the water the last couple of years I was there. That's a different story. But, um, you know, just the, the drinking, the drug use, the partying, the low level frequencies and vibrations were just everywhere you went. And so I started to do some microdosing and some meditation and kind of was backing off the partying. And I just felt very isolated in that environment. And I felt for me to kind of get around more people who would 
think like me who wanted to do explore health and you know, whatever it may be i i'm uprooted and i knew some friends who had moved to tampa florida and i just i just moved across the country and i've just gradually gotten better connections gotten healthier you know better lifestyle you know my wife and i's marriage just got better and better as we could partying and you know hanging around a lot of people and i still have love for those people it's just it's just different they wouldn't understand until they moved somewhere and got around like a different it's you know the entire city there is like we should put quantum upgrade on the entire city and see what happens maybe like it needs like a a giant needs a uplifting like as a collective so even if you're like i felt like even as me doing the meditations i as you go out in public you get brought back down very quickly because the collective there was just so low and they were just so used to that and i just couldn't really get to where i wanted to be in that environment so i shifted and i moved down here to tampa and i think for some people it might take a, a dramatic move like that yeah, yeah, totally good. But I mean, I thank you for doing that. I think you're doing a good service. We, we should bring the uh, chamber out and do something together like one weekend. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I asked, um, you know, what they had a hectic schedule, but I had like 10 people who were at the conference because it, obviously it was so close. Like we, we all just drove over from Tampa and St. Pete. And they were like, well, we can come tomorrow. And I was like, well, tomorrow's a bit much. Everyone's already been been away from work for four or five days, been at the conference 10 hours a day, networking. I think everyone's a little bit drained to get them all to rally into the to bed because it would have been like, they would have basically had to leave Orlando, come over to St. Pete, and then go out. You guys were doing it like a nationwide kind of pit stop tour, it sounded like. But yeah, are you guys doing more of those like mobile tours? Um, I think there's a there's a schedule. I, I don't, that's different department, so I don't want to speak too much to that. But um, there is a schedule and there is a plan to do those kind of things. And more yeah, maybe I'll reach out to Jacob or whoever I should reach out to, and uh, we should definitely see if we can get like a pit stop. I know uh, between a few people that we have here, I think we could get. A, I don't know how many people you try to get out there per per stop, but I think we could probably make it happen. Like my buddy Zach here, he. Um, runs a biohacking studio. One of his best friends has another kind of little like biohacking IV, you know, where they do NAD and everything kind of studio. So I think we could get a decent amount of people out there if you guys made a pit stop into St. Pete or Tampa. Yeah, cool. It's it's fun stuff. I've I've experimented with using ketamine therapy. So some of you know the clients who come in and we're working on pretty deep stuff and getting rid of trauma. You know, it's a great dissociative. It's you know, in the, in the vernacular of spiritual, it's a heart opener in the vernacular of, uh, allopathic medicine, it's a dissociative, but regardless, it allows, you know, that state of release. And I remember one of my friends was like, he got into it, was listening to the sound and he goes, he heard the rattle. He goes, Jeremy, you shaking the rattle. Are you out there like doing a shamanic dance? And I was like, nowhere to be found. <laughs> So, so make this clear. Are you uh, implying that like, like a, a low dose ketamine, like maybe intranasally or something before getting into the bed? Is that what you're trying <laughs> to get at? I'm using that under my medical license as part of the <laughs> therapy. So that's where we're getting into this whole somatic release, right? You have to have the right energy is the right frequencies plus a state of mind. And there are some people who have some, some deeply embedded trauma, some you know, PTSD, things like that, that their current... Uh, their operating system works on a default mode, 
and it's wiring down the same path so that the common vernacular is, you know, nerves that wire together, fire together. So when they're used to going down that pathway, that is the place that they always go. So those folks, I'm doing some fairly intensive work with them. And um, it was the intention is to basically help them to get into a state of mind. And we basically do some things to align, um, realign the body in the body field. And then they go in the chamber as the last piece of that with a small dose of ketamine. We typically, I would typically use like sublingual ketamine. And again, it's under my license as part of therapy and giving them some a moment to basically release whatever gets stuck because we know that the body stores trauma in different places. And um, it, it does have some pretty profound effects. So I don't want to say I'd advocate willy-nilly just use dropping <laughs> ketamine and then go into the chamber, but it, I will say that that therapy is super effective um, when used in the right context in a safe and legitimate way. Yeah, I've actually really been wanting to do ketamine. I've never done it like in a party setting. People like when I used to go to festivals, people would do it. I was always kind of scared of it because I've seen a couple K-holes. But now I've obviously heard a lot of benefits. I'm supposed to do uh i kind of got caught up i went to costa rica for a couple of weeks and just been kind of was at the conference so i've been a little bit busy but there is a guy local who does ketamine ivs um while you're on i'm not sure if you ever used a vibe bed it would definitely be up your alley they're pretty cool they're uh similar to what you got going on you pick like shamanic journey or detoxification there's like 40 different settings and it's like a vibroacoustic kind of like frequency that's coming out of the bed looks like a pm it kind of looks like a pulse center's bed then you have the eye mask on and the headphones on so it's like a i picked like shamanic journey when i was on there but apparently he does the ketamine on a a lower setting of the the vibration bed the vibe bed and so i guess it's a pretty cool therapy but i've never I think the sublinguals would be cool. You can kind of just use those right at home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very safe way to do it, low dose. Yeah. And so um, you can, like, what kind of dose is compared into a sublingual as comparison to, like, an IV? I, I probably shouldn't get into that. I'm like, I'm on this bridge right now of, like, what is medical advice, what's not? So I'm going to give my disqualifier. <laughs> like, you should see a professional and talk to your medical professional before you you know, initiate any kind of like ketamine therapy, there's really good indications for it. But if you have a trained professional, again, like I think you stack these types of things together and you get better results. We've, I've seen body workers who are just freaking magicians. You know, they, they're excellent at spotting where a person is holding on to trauma, stress, strain, whatever, and allowing that person a, an opportunity to release it. And if you, add the technology, it's kind of doing the same thing. It's, it's getting into the state of mind plus the coherent state where the energy can kind of fill that gap. And then the body does the work and it creates neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is rewiring, right? You know, analogy would be like, let's just say I'm storing a lot of trauma or a lot of hatred right here, right? And what happens then you get resistance and the body literally starts to rewire around that part of your anatomy. So when it comes, back yeah, I've heard some great results. Yeah, I really have with ketamine and it's been, I, I kind of on my list, but I've just been a little bit busy. I don't know if I'll try IV first or maybe we'll, we'll chat after the show and talk about sublinguals or something that maybe you can point me in the right direction. Cause I'm very n- new to it, but I have a really good friend down here. Who's like, it's 
life-changing like it's amazing I, a couple people actually have done the ivs and the nasal sprays and they really like them i, I know there's some consequences with like addiction and things there if people have the nasal sprays at home and that i've heard of but i don't really have an addictive personality anymore so i'm not too too sketched out about that but i know the little sidebar there there can be some issues when people just have the the nasal sprays at home yeah self-control you know yeah, absolutely. So where, um, how soon do you think people are going to be able to get, you know, like we talked about, like they're kind of shipping out. Um, when should people expect to be able to look up where to find a bed or a chamber near them? And then are you going to have like some sort of database that'll be on the website once the different studios start having the chambers where people can kind of just go on the immortal website, find a bed near them type of thing? Yeah, I would anticipate for sure. There's there's obviously some private owners that are not going to release it to the public and they're going to just use it for themselves. But I know like the Sentner Center down, I think in Miami, um, they were one of the first ones to get it. One of my buddies um, in Ohio is going to be, he's like next on the list. So um, we've got places, we'll list them out and you'll be able to look it up. And I'm sure, I'm certain that all these locations will be advertising it. So I would check that out too. Man, it's been fun. I appreciate this. Yeah. And also, so are, are you kind of sounded like the bulb was the prototype for the chamber. Are you still going to kind of continue to sell the bulb just because it's kind of more of like an entry? I think the bulb, I mean, we didn't talk about pricing, but I, from what I read, I think the bulb was like somewhere like 12 or 14 grand as comparison to like the beds, like 144. So are you going to keep both of them like available? So some people can get more entry level and then the more kind of like people who are willing to drop the cash will can get the chamber. I don't know with the, with the bulb, to be honest with you, like I, I think we have to do some serious R and D. So the beta units go out and we're figuring out what to do with those. We get the information back. Um, we can see the wear and tear use. We're also iterating. I mean, Brian did a really cool thing. Um, he took this electrostatic field that is very, very, very hard to isolate. I mean, you're, you're talking about building up a substantial charge, right? Um, and isolating that so that it doesn't arc and jump. Like if you were in the prototype, the, the prototype bed, when it was around, people would warn you like, don't reach under the bed and touch the metal because you could arc and it creates a nice little spark that's super distracting. Like all that stuff is isolated in the final version. And the field is then basically wireless. So I don't know long-term to get back to your question if that's not a better route to go. Like if you create a chair or, you know, something like that, or like a, you know, a shoulder girdle or whatever that goes over you. Um, I could very, very easily see it going that route and not being something you hold on to. So we'll see. We'll see what the research shows and uh, what works. Yeah, I could see where the bulb could get broken or like, you know, with every each and every person holding it, the bulb could easily get dropped or broken. So there might be a little bit of like issues with that. Now you have to fix it as a who's who's to fix it, the person who bought it or the company. And there could be a lot of back and forth with the bulb. But it was cool looking. It was cool to hold. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's a, it's a great experience. I've got like four or five prototypes at my house and in in our little location here and I play around with them all the time. It's a great way to recharge. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, once again, why don't you tell everyone the name of the company, where to find you, where to find you on social media, anything you want to plug? Totally, totally. So the name of the company is Amortal. So you can just check out Amortal.com. 
it's like immortal, but misspelled with an A, amortal. <laughs> and um, you can check me out. I'm on Instagram personally, um, do a lot of work with, uh, w- with the Institute for Bioenergetics, that's IBI. And that's where we're actually applying all these biophysics principles in one place. So we've got some cool stuff coming out of that. We've got webinars that we do. And we'll be launching some bigger platforms in the next couple of months. So uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. This has been tons of fun. Cool. Awesome. Hang around while I close out the show. If you enjoy this show, would you please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review it for me? Also, if you'd like to know more information about Combo, personalized one-on-one coaching with me, or for upcoming retreat information, which I host with my wife, please visit my website in the show notes or DM me on Instagram. My handle over there is at Integrative Matt. Until next time, my friends. Thank you.